The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. (laughs) You sound like you've got some energy today. Well, we're in the playoffs. The sun is out. The weather is nice. There's a whole lot of hockey, and a high percentage of it is being played really, really well. Yeah, that's true, and and some of it's being played to uh, not so well. There has been a high percent, or there have been high visibility incidences of idiocy, some on the ice uh, and some uh, in the NHL offices. I was going to say, if I had to pick a story of the week, I would say that the the story is the Office of Player Safety has been busy this week. Yeah, uh, this has to be the busiest <laughs> week for them uh, since the pandemic started. And I don't think I found all of the fines that have been levied, but we do have a couple of fines and uh, there has been a, a suspension. Um, why don't we actually start with the quasi good news? Okay, let's go there. Uh, Kevin Miller of the Boston Bruins, who is uh, not so incidentally related to some of the stories from the office of player safety, Mm -hmm. uh, has been released from the hospital. He's feeling better, but is uh, going to miss game five. Uh, I mean, that's Mark. That's markedly missed mixed news. Um, I'm glad that he's able to, you know, at least get out of the hospital and someplace comfortable. If you've never been in the hospital, um, you're lucky. Uh, I personally have, and being woken up, uh, to be asked if I needed something to help me sleep, uh, has never made me comfortable once in my life. Um, and then having them come in every four hours to check your vitals. Yeah, it, 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 again, it makes one of those resting, that resting thing a little bit difficult. Um, but I would, I am looking forward to tracking down a little bit more and obviously hearing him speak and seeing him resume, uh, his role on the ice. Uh, I have the sneaking suspicion that Dmitry Orlov is probably not going to be put on the ice opposite him too many times. I. I did want to add to that just because of the serious nature of the other hit that everybody saw uh, in the Toronto series. Uh, he was also released from the hospital. Uh, he uh, is Tavares, out, yes. John Tavares. He is also out indefinitely, uh, they're reporting. I mean, it was an ugly hit, and there was nothing Corey Perry could do about it. Uh, the fight between him and Felino, I think, was more out of uh, frustration, duty, some sort of yeah, some sort of need to fulfill frustration and some sort of uh, you know it's my teammate, but I think that if you and in the moment if you've you seen don't, Corey Perry fight, Corey Perry had wanted nothing to do with that fight. He agreed to it just to get it out of the way and done. If you watch the fight, he's just there. He's he's holding Marcus Polino back, so yeah. Polino can't tag him too hard. I'm not sure that. Perry threw three, three, three strikes and Corey Perry Perry can fight. He felt horrible about it. Uh, The other thing with him just to uh, 
complete that one is that he's out at least two weeks. I mean, it says indefinitely in one story, but in another story, he's out at least two weeks because apparently he also injured his knee. Yeah, I mean, that was an that was just an ugly collision. Um, yeah, but like I said, there's nothing Perry could have done about. It. I mean, he was Tavares no, I, was already out of control from being checked, and as he was kind of spinning away, yes, that's when Perry got him. It, it, there was nothing anybody. It, it, there's no fault there. There wasn't. It anything doesn't matter who was skating in carry in in Perry's place and sp- at that speed the results were going to be pretty much the same. Yeah. If it had been another Toronto Leafs player, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs player in that spot, same thing. Yes. Um, speedy and recovery to everyone. And I'm glad to hear that Miller's out. I'm glad to hear Tavares is out. And yes, we hope that they have both have speedy recoveries. I read, I read in that article that it's possible he's going to miss game five. And depending on how far out it goes, he could miss a second game. Uh, whether it's game six or further, but uh, I mean, it, it's definitely good news. Uh, before we dive into the other stuff, uh, and I do want to get to the other stuff based on what you've seen of the Boston Washington series. Mm. Do you genuinely believe this is going seven games? Uh, that was my and your original prediction. I was expecting a little bit more. I don't know if it's a goaltender thing. I don't think it makes it seven. I don't even, I, I, I don't want to jinx it. So I want to stop there, but yeah, I don't think, it, <laughs> I don't think it makes it seven and I don't think it's a goaltender thing. I think that the Washington capitals since the trade deadline or even a little before have just looked tired. And the other night when Ovechkin exploded over uh, all over the place at the end of the night, uh, yeah, what was that was, game two, game three? When uh, that was game three, Samsonov third starter in a row, and Samsonov third starter in three different games. And, he and, yeah. made a mistake, which you know it happens. But when you're in the playoffs, Ovechkin like, has made his share of mistakes in this playoffs. Ovechkin has made a share of mistakes, but in the playoffs, you play to your strengths and you avoid doing stuff that are outside, well outside your abilities. Samsonov is not a good puck handler. He's just not. Not that I've seen. Not yet. Anyway. And he should know that. And I don't speak Russian. I am willing to bet that there is something that there was some content about that in what he said. And people say that, you know, Ovechkin was out of line and blah, 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 blah. Look, Ovechkin's been on a winning team. He's won at other levels. He knows what winning teams look like. And And this team doesn't look like one. And to his credit, he's put forth a valiant effort in this series. He's he's been physical. He's been the one thing he hasn't been doing is scoring whether it's because Tuca knows where to position himself because Obi's become predictable although other goaltenders manage to know that he's going to be shooting from that left playoff that left faceoff dot and they still can't stop it but for, for some reason Ovechkin historically just hasn't been spectacular against the Bruins he's still good he's still well above average uh, he's on been, most occasions 
but he's missed he's missed the net a lot in this series. Well, uh, um, they were talking about a lower body injury uh, in the last couple of games before the season ended. I don't think it, I think I think that it, I think that is a misstatement. If I had to guess, I'd say it's a lower back issue because. I watched him skate uh, back to the bench after he scored the other night. I believe it was a power play goal and his stride was off and it looked off in the same way that people look when they're having an issue somewhere low in the back. Mm -hmm. It could be a hip issue. It could be, it could be a knee. I don't believe it's a knee. Uh, If I had to guess, I would say it was a lower back issue. And it doesn't help that he's played physically and had the physicality returned. Um, the fact that he got plastered like twice in three seconds by Pasternak and Marchand the other night was a hilarious since Pasternak never throws hits like that. Um, and Ovechkin outweighs either of them by at least 35 pounds. Um, it was telling. Because I've seen big guys as big as Ovechkin bounce off of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that he went down so easily, yeah, there's something there about the injury. But I, I think in general, the whole team has not looked. Uh, they well, they haven't looked. They haven't looked like contenders. Period. Um. Yeah, I guess that's the easiest way to put it. I mean, if you go back to the Bruins Cup run uh, in 2011, Mm -hmm. you remember it was the probably the first or second uh, week of the series of the season. The Capitals came into town, and Tim Thomas and everyone else on the ice were playing at ludicrous speed. And out of the audience, the thousands and thousands of fans in attendance comes a chant. You can't finish because Ovechkin couldn't <laughs> w- couldn't score, Semyon couldn't score, Backstrom couldn't score, or and like three or four other thirty, forty goal scorers on that team just couldn't do it. That year, the Bruins looked different. I was one of the first to very cautiously say they look like winners this year. And I hadn't believed it. People said that they were going to win in 09, and I kept saying, nope, you're wrong, just because of the fashion that they were winning in. But the Capitals haven't looked like winners, and the fact that even Nick Backstrom, who is one of the least physical players in the league, I would put him on par with David Krejci. Uh, highly skilled, efficient at taking defenses apart, but not the guy who's going to start most scrums. The fact that he's been getting edgy and, uh, you know, cuffing people around, it tells you a whole lot about what they perceive the rest of the team to be. Yeah. Uh, I will throw out another, uh, another, Posit another theory, and that's um, message received. One thing that the Capitals have not been able to do is um, score on the power play, basically because they haven't had any. Well, I shouldn't say that they've had seven, 
and they are one for seven. Uh, the Bruins, um, the Bruins power play or penalty kill has had a couple of really bad leaks at, uh, I'm across sorry. the season. I'm sorry. In game seven, they were one for seven. But the last 35 minutes of the game was played at five on five and the Capitals couldn't score. Game three. Uh, game three. Yeah. Game but, three. The Capitals. Uh, the Capitals have not been able to score five on five. I mean, does this sound familiar? Because at one point we were saying the Bruins couldn't score five on five. The Capitals in this series have not been able to score five on five. No, they haven't. And and their their goals that they are getting are coming from the fourth line. Four of their six five on five goals have come from the fourth line. I I think part of that is I mean you listen to any of the best defensemen in the league, the best analysts, defensemen who are familiar with the opposing players have an easier time playing against them, and Let's face it, there is 100,000 times more film on Alex Ovechkin and Nick Backstrom and TJ Oshie than there is on whoever's playing on Washington's fourth line. Mm-hmm. And okay. given how young the entire Bruins defense core is, it's really not surprising that they're going to get beat by someone who there's just less to study on than it is uh, someone who they know where they're going to go because you know, when Ovechkin is on the ice, he's, he's heading for that lower circle, uh, lower, uh, what is that? Right circle, left circle. And he's going to be shooting from there. And three guys will stack up trying to make sure he doesn't have a clean shot on the net. Someone who's less predictable. And I think this is, I think this is a key to, the success of guys like Patrick Kane and Steven Stamkos and even Brad Marchand, they will happily score on you from anywhere on the ice. (laughs) Ovechkin leans heavily towards his office, but he's more flexible than a lot of people like to think. Would you care to take a guess as to who the leading scorers are on the caps? Not even close. Um, I think it, I want to say that Carlson is fairly high, but I don't. I, I haven't looked. Actual goal scorers, not total points, but oh, goal, goal scorers. scorers. I literally have no idea. So if I told you it's not Ovechkin, you would or wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. Actual leaders on the team with two goals apiece are Nick Dowd and Garnet Hathaway. I should have guessed that because I saw <laughs> I should have guessed right. that because I saw them. I saw I, I mean, I saw Hathaway's two goals and realistically, that's got to very nearly that's got to be a very high percentage of his career playoff goals. I, I, I don't know. I'm not looking at overall stats. I'm just I, I I'm just surprised. I, I mean, it is what it is. You wanted me, and I don't know if this is a good point to segue, but you wanted a, a, a question, um, or maybe we should discuss the issue first, and then I can ask the question. We, but if we well, yeah, let's se- dive into the issue. We could segue from our discussion of the Capitals to specifics in that Anthony Mantha has been uh, fined $5,000 for his 
goalie interference hit on Tuka Rask. And I'm for it. I mean, it's the equivalent of a $25, $50 seatbelt fine, whatever it is nowadays. I mean, yeah. $5,000 is nothing to the, to most of these players. I mean, there are some that are playing for league minimums. Uh, Even and, there, and it's contracts. not a week's pay. <laughs> but $5,000 is still, I, I don't know if it's just sort of to say, hey, look, we know you were bad. Don't do it again. You know, fork over a check. Uh, but yeah, fine, five thousand dollars. If you watch, if you watch the way he crashed into Tuca, he wasn't pushed in. He didn't. He but did he didn't it accidentally slow. on purpose, and he more on slow purpose down. than accident. Yeah. So they're one of the many teams that are complaining about officiating. By the way, that's one of the things I have noticed this week is that apparently officiating is being complained about by every team. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> and in the, a lot of cases, they're right. Uh, the officiating has been well. Awful that also this year. that also segues into the other thing is that Dmitry Orlov, who wrecked Kevin Miller, the uh, aforementioned Kevin Miller, uh, was given nothing by the Office of Player Safety and a double minor in the game after originally being called a major. Uh, so my question to you is, um, what are you thinking about Mr. Orlov and Mr. Miller's little tete-a-tete, uh, if you could call it that? Um, if we had bought, if we had set up a soundboard on uh, on the show, it, you would hear a whole bunch of beeps right now. Someday so just I'm imagine have them. To do that. <laughs> just imagine them, because as much as I love Dmitry Orlov as a player. This was one of the stupidest, most petty hits I've seen in a long time. Oh, good. So it's not just me, because I was pretty sure that my opinion was uh, in the minority. Because he made contact with Miller's arms and shoulder before the head. Okay, because he not did head He was not suspended. I'm not. I but watched. He did headbutt him. It wasn't just there the wasn't headbutt- just contact from arms to shoulders to whatever. There was a headbutt. That if you was watched the video. Not the first bit of contact. I still believe he should have gotten the game misconduct for it right then and there. And the caps and there should have been like a five minute major uh, as well, because his skates were four flipping inches off the ice before contact. That's my issue. One of the things they talk about is leaving your feet, launching yourself at the player. Like that alone is a game misconduct. I don't care. Like, I like him. If Patrice Bergeron did this, I would still say yes, suspend. Yes, at least a game misconduct. And pro- I think it's borderline suspendable. It probably should be. I think in the regular season, it probably would get a get one game suspension, even for someone with a relatively clean record. But if just just for the sake of discussion, if Brad Marchand had jumped four inches off the ice and <laughs> found a player short enough to hit in the head. Uh, in any manner at that point, is there any question that he would have been suspended multiple games? 
No. Uh, no. No, not based on the way the Office of Player Safety has been working lately. Um, as far as the Anthony Manta horse crap, uh, that's honestly worse to me. That they slapped him with 5,000 bucks? No, what he did. I don't know if I don't know if Orlov hit a rut and was overcorrecting, and that's why his skates came off the ice because he was moving more laterally than directly at Miller. Okay. Um, I don't know. Uh, given how few, and I really can't think of any truly dirty cheap shots I've seen from Orlov, I'm willing to entertain doubt. What he did was stupid. What he did was wrong. Game misconduct should have happened. The officials need to. I thought they should have left. Yeah, I thought they should have left it as a major in a game misconduct. Yes. The officials were clearly in the wrong, and you know they need to grow a set. Um, as I was tweeting that night, the officials were losing control of that game. Oh, uh, I mean, there were other hits that led to that led to rugby scrums in front of the bench. And, and, and that was a bad game for the officials. <laughs> and when you go. look at the when you look at what happened with Anthony Manta, who I don't recall playing as. Aggressive a style when he was in in Detroit. I, I just don't recall this level of aggression from him. No, he was. Uh, yeah, he. He was, he was a, in, in front of the net. He's a big boy. He's six, five uh, yeah. thirty or whatever. Yeah, he's he's a big boy. But no, I don't remember him being this aggressive. He would be the man in front of the net and he would be the screener. And, and, or and he's, he's got good hands, too. But, he's got good. He's got good legs. He's got good. He's got good hands. He flat out. Attempted to injure Tukarask. Looked like it. That was his goal. Uh, he, there was no one anywhere near him. At his size, he could easily have jumped a kneeling Tukarask. He mm-hmm. could have jumped up on top of the net. He could have jumped to the right, uh, uh, to his right, uh, uh, up ice and away from Rask. No, he chose to go into him. And yeah, he it, made no he made no attempt to stop, first of all. That was no attempt to stop. And at the point where he where he uh where he jumped, he actually maximizes contact and the amount of weight that goes into and onto Rask. If he had if he had gone down and gone into him and just taken him out at the ankles or the knees or whatever and knocked him into the net. Oops, lost my uh, toe picked, lost my balance, hit a rut. Probably get away with it. Bad hit? That hit was dumb. Like, that's that's the sort of hit that perpetuates the dumb jock uh, stereotype. And I'm sure it was born out of frustration. The Bruins are beating them handily in that at that point. Because that was toward the end of the game. So the Bruins are already beating them handily. And so I'm sure it was born out of some frustration, but you got to keep your wits about you, man. That's just, you can't do stupid stuff. You know, people complain about Ovechkin yelling at people. 
Please show me a dirty hit, a really dirty hit by Alex Ovechkin. He doesn't. He he may not control his mouth <laughs> all of the time, <clears throat> about which I don't care in the least. No, I just find I just found it interesting that he at the end of Game Three when they allowed when when they allowed that goal by Smith and and you know Sam Simsonov messed it up. Yeah, he did. I thought it interesting in Game Four that uh, one of the goals was a direct result of Obi screwing up yeah. in front of the net. And, and I, I, my first thought was Samsonov needs to turn around and just get right in his face and yell back at him. But then again, Samsonov, rookie, Ovi, captain of the team, going to the Hall of Fame. And that probably thought better of it. But well, there's also the market size difference. Not that Ovechkin's a great fighter, but Ovechkin well, is. You could ask Sveshnikov about that one. <laughs> well, yeah. If Svechnikov wants to admit or remember the incident, he's probably seen videotape of it. <laughs> Whether he actually remembers it is a different Exa- question. Well, yes, that's the way he remembers it is by watching videotape. Because <laughs> in the moment, yeah, no, he was dropped. <laughs> um, I'm going to pick on the biggest kid in the schoolyard. Oops, bad yeah. idea. Bad <laughs> idea. And I find it humorous because there are other people who, you know, the Bruins have been, you know, like you said, the, the, uh, you know, uh, I forget who hit him first, but then it was uh, was Marchand. Marchand, Pasta first, yeah. Pasta's been bumping into him, and it's been an entertaining series. Honestly, the playoffs this year are really, really entertaining. I I genuinely believe that this format of heavy play in your division is the best and healthiest thing for the sport. Five minute, five minutes into the first game between St. Louis and Colorado, you had Landeskog dropping the gloves. Now, granted, he wasn't dropping the gloves with Lucic because the one time that they did that, Landeskog was trying to find the nearest exit. Um, and Lucic had him by the chest hairs going, you want to go? You want to go? And Landeskog's like, no. Um, but yeah, five minutes in, they're fighting. I mean, the obvious the obvious eight-game rivalry clearly creates animosity and un- feeling, and, feeling really? and passion and excitement and... And familiarity and contempt uh, and just energy like i don't every one of these divisional series first round and second round is gonna have emotion in it because you can't play a team eight times and not have at least one moment one moment where you want to say i really wish that guy uh was going to have some teeth coming out the wrong end uh oh yeah numbers are taken and We'll get back to you later about that one. And yeah, because, you know, you've got not only another seven games or however many games are left, but then there's the possibility of playoff games. And oh, yeah, this format is is interesting. I don't know that I want to stay with it full time. I'm still mulling that one about in my brain. But I, 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 
I think that and I'll have to sit down sometime over the next two or three weeks and come up with a better map of games. Okay. Because four games, three games is too few. I'm well, especially to... when especially when it's rivals like Boston Montreal or Boston Toronto. If you want to go there, I, I yeah, still or... say Montreal's the rival, but and has been forever. Uh, even even the even the Montreal Toronto rivalry, they're they're playing in the playoffs for the first time in forty two years. Forty two years. Partly that's because Boston has beaten the pants off of Toronto the last couple of years, and Montreal hasn't. Made hasn't been in the playoffs much the last couple of years, but you can't tell me this isn't better for the sport. It's certainly more. And if more people are entertained, it's better for the sport, period. And it's certainly more magnetizing. It's certainly more. It's going to it's. I'm sitting down and wanting to watch series. I was waiting with anticipation, and when I couldn't find the game one Toronto versus Montreal because it was on the NHL network, and that amazingly wasn't my first thought because or second or third or fourth, yeah, because yeah. NHL network up until this year really didn't show much NHL hockey. But you know, once I found it, I was I've been looking forward to that series. Just I mean. Between the players and the fact that it's, you know, hasn't been seen in 40 plus years. I look forward to watching the Florida Tampa Bay series, although it's not really going the way I thought it would. I've loved the Vegas and Minnesota series from and that's the word not go. going and that's not going the way. Well, it's not going the way you thought, but it's um, not going the way I thought. But I still think we're seeing the emergence of stars and Nico in uh, Nico Storm Sturm. And we saw Nico Sturm in college, so <laughs> yes, but the rest of the world is getting to see what we saw. Yes, they are. That's true. Um, and Kaprizov, and I think the torch has officially been passed from uh, Parisi to Sturm. Say, you don't think that Parise is a top tier, number one, top line, whatever center wing, whatever was he is that top wing. four or five years ago. He's been suffering from various and sundry injuries here, there, and everywhere. Affluenza? Yes, he's been suffering from affluenza for since he signed that contract. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, to, to get us back on track, because we, we do this thing where we digress to... No. But to get us back on track, and since we were talking about issues and office of player safety there was one other decision they had to make this week uh and donuts or bagels i don't know man. just parasite but donuts or bagels donuts or bagels i don't know uh they're both shaped like zeros though I don't know. they got a little hole in the center anyway uh again digressing so kadri apparently hit and and i have not seen the video that's why i say apparently i haven't I seen the video but I find the Justin explanation probably – go ahead. No, I was just going to say – finish the thing. You hit Justin Falk, contacted the head, and got an in-hearing in, – in-office hearing, uh, not a telephone call, which means 
apparently the the guideline is if it's an in office hearing or in what whatever they call it uh, in person hearing. It's going to be five games or more. It's going to be minimum of no six games is what I read. But okay, yeah, you're five, right. It's going to be more than five games, right? Um, and it turns out he has been suspended for eight games. Now he's already missed the last game, so he's got seven more to go. It's potential if they do end up sweeping St. Louis that he could miss the bulk of the second round as well. Yeah. Um, what what the bothers me about this is the explanation. Uh, yes. The explanation is every bit as bad as some of the hits that we did get a chance to see. I, I The explanation is the contact of the head and his past history was taken into account. Now, the last time he was suspended was two years ago in the playoffs. It was against Boston, his hit on Carlo, if I'm not yep. mistaken. So that goes beyond the 18-month window. Well, according to the Denver Post, because they asked the Office of Player Safety what, what what's going on, uh, and according to the Denver Post, they were told that the 18-month guideline is only for fines and not for suspensions. Um, yeah, that now, is... <laughs> An enormous amount of uh, post-digestive uh, male bovine uh, f- uh, food. Yeah. The, the quote they got was, the 18th month rule is primarily in place to determine fine and forfeited salary maximums and rates. It is not at all meant to periodically erase a player's any player's supplemental discipline history. I'm sorry. How many times have people we we've said people should get maximum suspensions, and it's like, well, he hasn't done it for so long that it's not considered um, a pattern of behavior. Okay, but Every now time all of a you, sudden it's it's not. It is. Yeah. What? Yeah. Every time you add a modifier to a sentence, um, is uh, to diminish the severity of it. What you're saying is um, it's supposed to be true, but we don't want it to be true in this case. And that's really, really what George Peros and company have done, because they said primarily, which is the first modifier. And what was the second uh, what was the second half of that sentence? What the quote I just gave you? Yes. It is not at all meant to periodically erase any player's supplemental discipline history. Periodically. There's the other modifier. So two modifiers uh, means they're lying twice as fast. And I'm sorry. I don't like having to say this. Partly because, well, I just not a big fan. Um... Dolan is right. When Dolan came out a couple of weeks ago and talked about Peros not needing to be in that job anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm having a hard time coming up with much of a disagreement. I, I, I'm just baffled because. 
the statement is so mealy mouthed. It is nauseating. Like you, if you want to suspend someone for more games than you can honestly justify based on the hit, I haven't seen it. I'm, willing to believe that Kadri did something especially knuckleheaded. It, it, it's possible. He's done it in the past. but He's done it in the past. He's done it in the, the playoffs. Was, was two years ago. But here's the thing. What you say is in light of blah 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 we're taking a zero tolerance approach which is something that leagues, get, leagues and schools and other people who really can't be put uh, in the corner, um, get away with, or it was decided that due to the extraordinarily vicious nature of blah, 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 we're going to, we're going to tack on the extra, uh, for this panel, for this suspension. Don't twist the rules from how everybody in the world understands them, how you've repeatedly stated they exist to something else. I got another modifier for you. In the Department of Safety section of the league's website, it states, <clears throat> quote, it is important to note that even if a player is not defined as a repeat offender, his past history may come into consideration when determining future supplemental discipline. So they really didn't need <laughs> to spit out the horror horse monkey that they did. Well, They've already they could got it. Simply point at the rules. Well, it, it, it. But the thing is, it says his past history may come into. I'm not arguing that Kadri shouldn't have the suspension. I haven't seen the hit. I can't make any argument for or against. Exactly. What I'm arguing is all of the mays and what fors and and other, as you say, modifiers or variable statements that give them license to do whatever they want decision-wise. Yes, period. It, it's not meant to periodically erase any player. So, you know, it's in, it, it's primarily in place to determine, fine, his past history may come into consideration. All of these variable statements that it's like, it gives them license to just fly. Paros can fly by the seat of his pants and go, you know what? I'm in a bad mood today. You're getting 10 games. And we're going to say that, uh, well, your past history is coming into a consideration for this one because two years ago you did something similar. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't like you. I don't like your agent. Um, you've got the wrong hair color. You've got the wrong last name. I mean, I vaguely remember, and, and again, it's a vague remembrance, but after what Matt Cook did to – Savard, he had his however long it was suspension. It was pretty. Actually, not, I don't remember that he was suspended for that. Was he not suspended at all? No, he did. He got suspended later, but at the time there was no rule against blindsided checks to the head. Okay, but then he did something similar, uh, not quite as as egregious, violent yeah. or egregious, yeah. but and. They came back and it was only a very short term thing because the length of time between one incident and the other meant that he wasn't considered a repeat offender anymore. Well, yes, but yes, 
And it was stupid then, and it's stupid now. Uh, I just I don't like the fact that Paros can make this up as he goes along. I'm sorry, it bothers me. Uh, and nothing against uh, you know if, and like I said, not seeing the video for the third time, I you know, but just yeah. set a rule and abide by it. Yes, a, a, a set an understandable rule. And today you're putting your own uh, modifiers in now. <laughs> Set a clear and succinct rule that people aren't go. going to twist like a pretzel every time they need every time something happens. So his past history may come into consideration is pretzel twisting. It's begging someone to make a gut call and not a rule call. Thank you. It should be it should be more impactful. It should be his past history will come into consideration. Uh, his past history can come into consideration under the following things. Okay, someone has made three headshots on players in the last eighteen months or the last five years of their career. Yes, okay. it's coming into consideration. Someone slew foots one person. They spear another person. And then for two and a half years, they're absolutely clean and then elbow to the head as they're as they're engaged with someone or, you know, maybe possibly goal interfe- goalie interference. I don't there's not a there's not a clear pattern of behavior there. But like five headshots. Launching yourself off the ice three times into someone. Yeah, all that's. All that's all that's the same thing. Make it if if players are going to play beyond dirty and into the destructive to other players' health and careers and the health and health of the game, make them work for it. Make them be creative. Pains in everyone's anatomy. But write the rules in such a way that when you need to bring the hammer down and ban someone 25 games for doing something stupid over and over again, you can do it. And you can say, you knew it was coming. This is the way it works. Shut your mouth and go sit in the corner. And it's not like Kadri doesn't have a history of his own while playing for the Leafs. Kadri was suspended three games for interference in 2013. Four for an illegal check to the head in March of 15. Four for cross-checking, April 2016. Three for boarding, April 2018 playoffs. And five for a cross-check, April 2019. Look. He's got a history, so I'm not arguing. He's not a saint. No, he's not. But it's been two years since the last one, and if the rule was that. But the rule. But the it's rule not, doesn't it's, mean anything if you're not going to follow it. Well, there's no rule to follow. The way that is written, Thank it's you. like may or may not. Exactly. The unwritten part of that is or may not. <laughs> His past history may or may or not, may not. Yeah. come yeah. into consideration when determining future supplemental discipline. In this case, it was may. According according to this article, Bednar apparently watched all of the headshots, all of the headshot suspensions for the last year. Yep. 
that's dedication just to get a barometer of as a coach Kadri's, yeah of what Kadri's potential penalty was going to be this was before he was actually given the suspension he said there were a lot of two gamers handed out that were significant hits to the head we had some guys put out with hits to the head who are still out. Generally, rule of thumb was in the playoffs, you get a little less of a suspension. Kadri significantly got more. Well, And if this is less, what would he have gotten in the regular season? Well, it's is the longest gamer in the regular season. Yeah, if this is less then it, probably would have been 10, 12, 14 games. I mean, the the rule of thumb that most people use, or at least I use, is that any playoff game is worth two regular season games. Then you're talking 16. Which easily rounds to 20. <laughs> you're starting to sound like Paris. <laughs> uh, maybe. Potentially could be. <laughs> got any more uh, Got any more uh, variable statements we could make? I mean, I, I just... I could. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating because... If this is the way that they're going to officiate, then you never know. And this this is why guys keep crossing the line, because the line isn't a line. It's a bunch of dots that are sometimes really close together and sometimes really far apart. And they also seem to be moving up and down and left and right. And <laughs> As I said, with what Orlov did the other night, if Brad Marchand had done that, he's gone five games easy. Oh. Not not even a question and he hasn't been suspended in what three years easily something like that yeah it's been a while he's, if, he's been while 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 not the epitome of good behavior he has been he's been a rule compliant pest for the most part there you go that's a good way of putting it. i like that rule compliant pest um other injuries, uh, Marcus Johansson was uh, knocked out of a game recently and uh, not expected back anytime in the next uh, couple of games. He suffered a broken arm Ouch. while playing. That's, uh, that's going to end the season. And realistically, six weeks in a cast. Appeared three to weeks trip recovery on after the that. puck. Yep. Uh, of all the ways to have your season ended, that's got to be one of the most frustrating because you, there's no one else to blame. Like, there's no one else to blame on that. Which means that Zach Parise gets to uh, get back into the lineup. And at 35, 36 years old, with a lot of miles and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, bumps and scratches. Yeah. I, I just I, I'm sorry that he. Wow, that I mean, it, it's a it's a suck way to end your season. I mean, you you sort of trip on the puck and crash into the goalpost and break your arm. Ow, that's just uncool. I mean, literally of all the ways to go uh, to end your season, because it'll be six weeks in a cast. Yeah. Two minimum of two weeks of rehab. Even if he skates all six weeks between now and when the cast comes off. 
He's still going to need to practice his shot again and passing again and get back to game speed. And not that Parise, not that Parise hasn't been in the playoffs because he has, yep. but Johansson playoff, playoff, Johansson's playoff experience and the fact that he plays multiple positions on the line because he can play all, uh, as far as I know, he can play all three forward positions. He's, he was a center or he's listed primarily as a center, but he's playing wing for the wild. And I think he played both when he was here with the Bruins. I mean, his flexibility as opposed to Parise, who is strictly, I believe a left winger. Yes. Uh, limits them as far as, I mean, yes. Okay. He's playing wing for wing at this point in time, but Johansson could have moved around and, and his experience, was he not here a couple of years ago? Uh, Parisi, Johansson, I forget where he's been. He was in Buffalo at one point. He's, he was here in Boston at one point. This has got to be his fourth or fifth team. I just think his experience is going to be missed. Um, his experience, yes. Um, uh, speaking of experience, um, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, the two of us were talking about someone and what it would be like to experience this guy on the right wing here in Boston. And because a certain team doesn't draft that position. Owen Tippett went to the Florida Panthers, partly because Boston would have had to trade up for him. Uh, Yeah. Guess what he's doing now? Uh, Well, he's playing for the Florida Panthers and he's, he seems to be doing fairly, fairly well. I mean, uh, if he's not leading the team in scoring, he's got to be close behind somebody like Carter Verhage, who's been, doing himself proud as, on that team as well. Yeah, he's um, he's leading all rookies in scoring in the playoffs. Leading all rookies. Oh, good. And we could have traded up to get him because. But no. Because uh, that's the that's the draft where the Bruins went home with Erho Vakaninen. Oh, hey, there you go. Erho Vakaninen in the three or four occasions a year when he's healthy. Is a solid player. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not ready to give up on him. Uh, he needs a little bit of seasoning, sure. He needs a little bit of seasoning and maybe some sort of armor. Um, <laughs> but Owen Tippett, leading leading goal scorer among rookies in the playoffs, leading for points totals. Period. Oh, oh leading among rookies. Getter. Okay. Uh, which isn't necessarily easy to do. And again, he's playing against Victor Hedman, uh, McDonough and a pretty solid, uh, uh, bolts defense. And what is it? A two time Vesna winner in Vasilevsky. Yeah. And very possibly a third, depending on how they vote this year. Uh, Wait a minute! Didn't Vasilevsky also get, pick up a Smythe? No, it was it was Hedman who got the Smythe last time. Hedman got Smythe. So it's not like he's doing it uh, against a bottom feeder who tripped, fell, and landed in the playoffs. 
This is the defending Stanley Cup champions. It is. And yeah, yeah. Just just imagine that big two hundred pound frame uh, bracketing, uh, uh, bracketing um, one of the top three in uh, the center on one of the top three lines. I'm imagining. Yes. <sighs> and that's probably all we're ever going to get to do. Yeah. Speaking of the Florida Tampa Bay series and going back to players who are injured, um, there's been kind of a high profile injury in that series as well. The guy who was out for, well, the whole regular season. Yeah. And then magically came back for the playoffs is once again out as he has injured his knee. Well, he was, it, it, I mean, it was amazing that his rehab just happened to uh, complete at the time that the playoffs started when, you know, the cap was no longer an issue. Um, mm-hmm. And Nikita Kucherov is, as of the time he left the ice uh, last, leading the playoffs in scoring um, a paltry nine points in four games. Oh. Yeah, that's all. Apparently he had a he was having a four point night when he got hurt. He had a goal and three assists in that one game. Um, uh, it says that he went down grabbing his left knee at ten fifty seven of the third. Now what bugs me is that clearly and Victor Hedman says I didn't see the replay. Obviously you don't want to see that, but we'll probably see it on the replay in the room. Um, we know how to handle adversity and different ups and downs in the series. If it's a dirty play, I'm sure it will get looked at. I watched on, I did not see the game, but I saw the highlights and uh, on the NHL network. And he is not in any way hit by a, no dirty hit. No, he went down clutching his knee. I mean, it wasn't. So non-contact injury. As far as I know, I didn't see anybody near him when he went down. Yeah, those are almost worse. Uh, that means but there was they, something frayed there. Well, potentially there was something frayed there. And but he just to, to bring about the fact that, you know, it, you know, well, if it's a dirty play, and Victor, I love you to death. Favorite defenseman in the NHL. Uh, outside of, well, no, I did. Seth Jones is pretty much right up there. and But if it's a dirty play, it would stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not everything is a dirty play because somebody get hurt. And and that's my biggest issue with the Polino-Perry uh, fight. Yeah, well, if you can call that a fight. fight. Because one-sided. there was no intent to injure. Not that no. Corey Perry isn't above dirty play, because Perry is eminently capable of being the dirtiest guy on the ice in any given game. But this is a guy he plays with in the offseason. He, he, he trains with, you know, anyone can look at that play and say, yeah, no. That there's nothing you can do there. 
Anybody who wants to watch that play and tell me that he was trying to injure him, no. The speed of the game, there's no way. He, he, he didn't have time to get out of the way. He didn't have time to alter. I mean, it was literally check, Tavares spinning, starts to go down, Perry, bang. It, it was bang, bang, bang. It, it, there was no time to... Unlike Anthony Mantha, who could have stopped his progress before getting to Tuca, Corey Perry did. Corey Perry did not direction. have that option. Yeah, he could have stopped. He could have changed direction. Anything. So, but yeah, Kucherov knee injury uh, does not say as uh, does not speak as to how long he could potentially be out. Just uh, that he has he went down grasping at his knee. Given that's so, it's not going to be. If he's back in this series, according to this, he was. It says after being slashed by Panther by Panthers forward Anthony Duclair, who uh, received a minor penalty for slashing. Okay, I've watched. Have you ever seen Anthony Duclair do anything? at all violent in the years that we've been watching him and talking about him and Uh, the usual nonsense slashes a couple of shoves. Sure. But here's the thing. I, the number of hockey games that I have seen at all levels in my life now (laughs) is probably minimum of it's, it's got to be right around 10,000 minimum literally never heard of a slash causing a knee injury. No, you'd have to hand injury. Sure. Wrist injury. Uh huh. Yeah. Ankle. Mm-hmm. If you bring it down hard enough, Duclair's not that big a guy. He's not small by any means, but he's not that big a guy. Calling it, it, no, just no. And he did get up and skate off under his own power, but wasn't putting a lot of weight on the injured leg. Well, injured. I mean, here's the thing: if he in, if he if he got off the ice under his own power, maybe he gets back in two or three games. Yeah. I would expect that he will be drugged and iced to the gills, but he he could get he could get back if he had left if he had needed assistance. No, I would say I, I would say two weeks minimum. Anthony Duclair, five eleven, one ninety eight on Hockey Reference, which is effectively the same size as Patrice Bergeron. Fair enough. So average, actually, that's slightly under league average for size. Uh, yeah, and it's pretty much consistent. Hockey DB has it 5'11", 197, so only one pound less. So 5'11", 200 pounds, he's not exact. Yeah, he, we're not talking about Anthony Mantha size here. Six five to thirty or whatever he is, and yeah, it, if he slashed him, okay, he slashed him. He got his two minute penalty for slashing. He's 
he's under half a point. He's under a, he's at about one minute of penalty average per game uh, in his career. Anthony declare. Yes. Um, he, he played 43 games this year and had a whole 32 minutes. No, he had a whole 18 minutes. He had 32. Oh, points. 18 minutes. I'm sorry. Yeah. So actually he's under one minute per game. He's played a hundred and he's played 396 games. Uh, in the regular season, he's got 133 penalty minutes. Yeah, that doesn't strike me as the type of guy who's going around with dirty hits and and. Yeah, I just. No. I, Sorry, Victor. I, I yeah. love you. To, love you to death. One of my favorite defensemen, but. Is just sit down. Yeah. <laughs> Stop talking. Just sit down. You're beating them as it is. Stop talking. You. <laughs> I just uh, – so between officiating and the opposite player safety, a little frustrating, but the hockey has been quite entertaining. Oh, I see here. And I actually saw this same story. I was uh, not surprised by it at all because I thought that this was actually a really good move for Vancouver. And oh. the season that they've been having, uh, the season that they had, I – I couldn't find a way to find blame with the coach, but uh, Jim Benning and the Canucks have uh, agreed with Travis Green on a contract extension. And yes, definitely the right move, and probably the only good, uh, the only really good news on the coaching front uh, we're going to see until the playoffs are over. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just glad they did it. I, 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 Travis Green was. Uh, this year, this year Travis Green was anomaly, the right but, coach in the right place at the right time when they hired him. Uh, we questioned it a little bit because he had no NHL experience, but those are people who remember him as a player. Yeah, he worked his butt off. Okay, he was hired. Uh, he was hired April 26, 2017. So he was hired at the end of the season and brought in. He is seven games under 500 in that time. He's 125, 132, and 32. He currently ranks fifth in franchise history in games coached and wins. Which is terrifying. He's been there, for, he's been there in, for four years, and he's fifth in franchise history. Which is – that's literally terrifying and tells you way more about the city and about ownership in the, in the franchise's history than about anything else. He's been there four years. He's fifth in history. Yeah, you give the guy an extension. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really, really first... glad he got it. Be, I yeah. think he's. I think he's a solid coach. Uh, at first, like you said, we kind of went, yeah, not so sure about that. But then last season, he guides them to the playoffs, and, and they look like they belong. Oh. And they look like they belonged. And if you look at that roster, I've said it many times, you look at that roster, the number of players under the age of like 25 is staggering. staggering. You got Pedersen, you got Besser, you've got, uh, well, whether you want, whether you like him or don't like him, you got Vertanen, you got, you got Quinn Hughes, you've got, uh, Tyler yes. Mott, you've got, I mean, the the youth on that team 
needs a coach that is going to end that is going to be able to guide them and not just manage them. And I think that maintaining him as a coach, even over even even over bringing in a really good coach like a name coach who has won, gives them a better shot at actually making the playoffs next year, particularly if they return to a more normal schedule style. Um, than it than yeah, if, I think they have a better shot with Green than even with the best coach available, whoever that might be, in your opinion. Whether you think it's Mike Babcock I, it, or I, I, Claude I, Julian. Yeah, and I don't I don't think Claude Julian would be a good fit with the age group that they have currently. I I, I as much as I love Claude and, and what he did here in Boston and I still think it was a mistake getting rid of him in yes. Montreal. Yes, but I don't think that he'd be a good fit for Vancouver. They don't really have that veteran core for him to pull in um, and make them the pillars of the team, whether they're first line uh, top minute centers uh, or, you know, even even older guys who are playing fourth line and intermittently like Sean Thornton, most of his time in Boston. Sean Thornton was still the dude like you knew if he said something to to you as a younger player on that team that it might as well be coming from the coach because the coach probably thought thought the same thing. Yeah, I mean, your captain is 20 is 26 year old Bo Horvat. Yep. Your elder statesman on the team is, well, on defense, Alexander Adler's 35, but you've got uh, your oldest forward is 32-year-old Brandon Sutter. Other than that, you've got most of the guys who, like I said, Brock Besser, 24, Horvat, 26, um, Vertanen, 24, Tyler Mott, 26. Oh, I'm sorry, Jimmy Vesey's 27 now, so I don't know. Creaky old man. uh, Rookie Hoaglander, 20. Uh, Cole Lynn, 22, William Lockwood, 22, uh, Highmore, 25. It's, it's like just going down the list. And then the, the injured players, you got, yeah, they're all in taxi squad players. They're all like in their twenties. It's like, yeah, he would not have, if he were to coach, he would not have outside of Edler and say, I don't know, JT Miller for, and, four, for, for a forward there's not a there's not yeah there's not a squad of seasoned veterans for for Claude to pull in extol his his plan and his system and then have the system filter from them to the there's just not enough it would I don't think it would work so I I think Travis Green is the right and yes giving him an extension good call uh, I was uh, watching one of the discussions online about this, and it's noted that the that the contract ends one year before Matt ben, uh, before the GM Bennings uh, expires, which uh, I find amusing. It ends one year before Bennings does. That's correct. Okay. So what are they trying to say that he signed him just long enough so that? If he gets gone, if he gets removed, they have to work out and they have to find a new coach. 
that's that's one of the discussion points. Okay. Um, Intriguing. Okay. Anything else we have to cover? Uh, you put up the Twitter poll results? I did. Um, last week we asked the question, for sheer novelty, what's the most interesting first-round matchup? First ever, first in a generation, or Superman versus Kryptonite? Uh, those were uh, Bolts and Panthers, uh, Leafs and Habs, and Knights and Wild in that order. Um, I think we got it. I think the, I think the voters got it wrong, but, uh, we'll make this quick because it wasn't a huge amount of voters this time. Um, 16 and 16% said bolts versus Panthers. Uh, 33% said Knights versus wild and 50% to Leafs versus Habs. Um, well, the first one bolts versus I, Panthers uh, it's not looking good for the Panthers. No. The Leafs and Habs, they've only played two games, and it's one game apiece. So if, I get the feeling that the votes are regional, and obviously Leafs and Habs are going to win in that case because around here we dislike both the Leafs and the Habs. I think for me... Answering this question before they before the playoffs started, I would have said Bolts and Panthers because of the way they had played in in the regular season. I actually would have probably put Leafs and Habs third. Yeah, I mean they they played solid hockey. Just because they the Habs managed to get in and and whether you want to say on the last day or what, you know, it wasn't established where they were going to, I mean, they were getting in just because the season wasn't over. It was effectively over. The other teams couldn't get enough points, even though they had games in hand. Uh, but bolts and Panthers, the way that thing went down and the Knights and wild and the whole thing with the wild having, you know, a, not Having just this record. season, but winning record all time against the Knights has to make that intriguing because this season alone, yeah, they, they struggled or appeared to struggle. And yet now in the playoffs, uh, you know, the, the old adage cream rises to the top or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, maybe it's just a uh, playoff experience and Vegas not only has that playoff experience, but they have a tight knit group of players that for the most part has been together the three years of their existence, four years. Uh, and Vegas is actually up three, one in that series. And I'm not really surprised. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not hugely surprised. Uh, I was hoping that this would be a tighter series and the games really certainly haven't been super uneven. Um, like you don't look at the, you don't look, you don't turn in on the game for 10 minutes and say, Oh my God, why is this team even playing? Um, but yes, we're ahead of the bell curve for the, the rebuild, the restructure of the Minnesota wild under Bill Guerin. Um, they arguably should not be in the playoffs uh, and they shouldn't be, they probably should not beat one of the three or four strongest teams in the league. Um, 
before we were talking about this before we hit record. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about uh, a discussion you were tracking on the Florida Panthers and Kucherov. Uh, and you said that in that conversation, uh, the phrase ball don't lie came up. Um, what does that actually mean? Because I'm not the basketball guy that you are. <laughs> ball don't lie is basically when when a foul is called on one player and they struggle with their officiating in basketball as well. But when a foul is called on a particular player and there was no real evidence of a foul being committed, the offended player goes, takes his two free throws and misses the free throw or both free throws. They say the commentators will say, well, ball don't lie because you didn't get fouled, so you don't get the benefit of having your free throws go in and count for points. So just karma. Yes, it's a karma thing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we leave you. Uh, don't know if we're going to do a poll this week uh, due to some unusual circumstances, but um, we'll be back next week. And I think it's time uh, we this time we may sprinkle in a few free agent uh, topics. Ooh. Anything else before we go? Uh, no, just enjoy the playoffs. It's been fun Excellent to watch. Hockey. Yeah. Okay, then. Have a great day, and uh, we'll be back next week. And, yes, we'll be tweeting uh, all week long. Um, if you don't see anything from me, uh, toss me a DM, uh, and I will uh, I will hop on. Oh, the Worlds are going on, too. Um, yes. Care for your Canadian friends. They're probably still in shock that Latvia beat Canada at the Worlds and shut them out. <laughs> um, you know, if you need to send a care package or two, um, it, it's probably something to consider. Ouch. Latvia. Latvia. Beat Canada uh, two nothing. Nice. England lost to Slovakia two to one. It's a very impressive loss, actually. And, and actually, that is because Slovakia is a really solid team, and England is known for what five sports above hockey. Uh, well, two anyway: cricket and and soccer, what they call foot, you know, football. Um, I would have put golf <laughs> and golf. probably rowing, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, especially when you've had literally like one draft pick, and it was uh, like a sixth round pick, Liam uh, Liam Kirk, I believe his name is. Uh, that sounds about right. But the kid that played in net for the English team, really strong, and yes, he lost two to one, but really strong effort from him. So. Wow, we ended it with a little bit of uh, IAHF World Championship talk. I was not expecting that. <laughs> well, we are a full-spectrum hockey show. We'll have updates next week. <laughs> Absolutely. Take care. <laughs>